to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. One of my bigger mistakes was not recognizing the transition needed coming from an Army workforce to a civilian CPA accounting workforce. And the differences there are pretty great. And as a young individual, I underestimated the differences. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. That clip was from Ramsey Womack of the Houston, Texas area. Ramsey's had a career filled with quite a variety of work in the accounting field and actually started his overall career in the Army. If you're transitioning from the military into the commercial world and wanting to move up in public accounting or even have an interest in the consulting world outside of public accounting, this is going to be the episode for you. Ramsey's interview actually touches on all those topics, believe it or not. We were very fortunate to be able to get Ramsey to share his story with us. He was very open about his career, and I think it's going to benefit many, many members of our audience. It truly is a great interview. If you do find value in this episode for yourself, please check us out online as well. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career-focused materials. We have books. We have blogs. We have a whole bunch of other podcasts, of course, and even a few tools for employers as well. If you're looking to grow your own career and maybe you're in the job search process yourself, one publication that may interest you that we just released is How to Ace the Phone Interview. Phone interviews can be very difficult because you can't see the other person. So we put out two pages of tips to help you perform better on the next phone interview that you have. Check it out once again on our website at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Ramsey Womack. Well, hello, Ramsey. Thanks for making the time for us today. Well, thanks, Mark. I appreciate you having me on your show here. No problem. No problem at all. Well, for the audience, we have Ramsey Womack on the line today, and I met Ramsey initially because we have something in common. We both volunteer some of our time with the State CPA Society, and when I came across a little more information online about his background, I wanted to go ahead and invite him on the show because his background actually fills a few gaps for us. We've had people with successful careers in the public accounting space before, of course, which Ramsey has had, but we haven't touched very much on the consulting services space and definitely not enough on military transitions into the commercial world either. We, we've had a couple episodes that touched on that transition, but, but not quite enough, and I wanted to get into that in more depth. So, Ramsey, we've got a lot to cover, but I, I definitely want to start at the beginning like we do with all our guests. What initially led you to consider 
that accounting might be a good career choice in the first place? Well, I guess it was a pretty easy decision for me, given the fact that I was essentially just born into it. My grandfather's a CPA, his brother's a CPA, my dad's a CPA, his brother's a CPA. And so I just thought that's the path I was supposed to go. And Ever since I was a kid, I had wanted to follow my dad's footpaths and be a CPA. In fact, I remember getting my first W-2 from my first job and looking at how to do my taxes. And I go to my dad, who's a tax CPA, and I ask him you know, for help and guidance on filling out my first tax return. And, and his response was pretty plain and simple. And you want to be a CPA someday, figure it out, go learn. And so I just called his tax partner and asked his partner for help. And that's how I got my first tax return done. So pretty much out of high school, I knew that's what I wanted to do. When I went to school, uh, accounting was my first major, and I never changed from there. Uh, One thing I did do different from the traditional accounting student is I also was always interested in joining the Army. So coming out of high school, I got an ROTC scholarship, which paid for three years of school, tuition and books, and I concurrently did the ROTC program while I was in school. After school, I would owe the Army a period of service, whether it be active duty or, or reserve. Okay. I was curious about that because that's what you did immediately after college, correct? Immediately after college. My path is is started out very traditional where you go to college, you get your accounting degree, you work on the five-year program, you get your bachelor's and master's, you do an internship. At the time, I did mine with Arthur Anderson. And where I varied was I went active duty right after getting my master's. It was kind of interesting with the, with the Army because the Army commissions you into the Army and you go into the Army as soon as you get your undergraduate degree. So I was able to work with Texas A&M and, and the dean there and my professors there to hold off one Anthropology 205 class for my very last semester. So my fifth year at A&M, I got my bachelor's and master's on the exact same day so that I then got my commission in that very same month and got to sit for the CPA exam all in the same month. I was fortunate to have the dean write to the state board to say that I effectively had a bachelor's, which allowed me to sit for the CPA exam that May and got to do it all at once. That is amazing. (laughs) All that coordination. Wow, you're a planner. For sure. <laughs> it, it, it definitely took some planning, especially taking not only a bachelor's and a master's in five years that many other accounting students did, but while in the ROTC, I had to take three hours of ROTC every semester or ROTC class every semester as well, along with Army summer camp. So it did take extra summer school and it did take extra planning uh, to get it all done, but it was a choice I would make again over and over again because I both enjoyed my time at Texas A&M and the Corps of Cadets. I enjoyed my time at Texas A&M at the university. I felt like I got the best of both worlds where I had the academic value of the accounting department as well as the social development environment of the Corps of Cadets and what they call the other education at Texas A&M. 
Interesting. Now, I don't want this to come out the wrong way. I just, because I'm not questioning it. I'm just really curious. So I know a lot of people that decided at an early age because of an influencer that they wanted to become an accountant, either in high school or even younger. And actually, I was like that. My dad was a CPA, and that's how I ended up in the profession as well. And I know a lot of people from my personal life that knew they always wanted to serve the country, you know, in, in one of the, the branches of the military. I don't know anyone that had both those interests, you know, at the same time. What what was it that intrigued you or appealed to you or, or called to you from the, the military or, or specifically the Army? Where did that interest come from? My grandfather had spent a little time in the military, World War II and the occupation forces. My father had done ROTC, although when he got in, It was right after the Vietnam War, so he ended up only serving 90 days. Just grew up with other family members in the military and really just a strong desire to serve my country and do my part. When serving the military, there's you'll typically see individuals either go in for a short stint, say three to six years, or a long stint, a full career, 20 years plus. A lot of that is is because of the way they do their pension plan. It's 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 kind of ironic how the federal government in 401ks makes everyone be vested legally after six years of employment at a company, yet in the Army, it's cliff vesting at 20 years. And that cliff vesting in the pension plan drives individuals to either do short stints or long stints. Uh, the old saying goes is once you've been in for 10 years, you're over the hump, you might as well stay for the full 20 So you do see a lot of people following my path of just the four years. And for me personally, that was what I was looking for. It fit me and my family and my wife that I got married to when I was in the Army very well because I got to do my part, but then I got to move on with the rest of my life and the career that I wanted with the satisfaction of knowing that I did my part. Beautiful. I have to ask, what did you do in the Army? What was your role? Well, what they do with all accounting officers, and they make them maintenance officers. It's very interesting in the Army. For the most part, they don't really care what you got your degree in because they're going to train you in the field they want you to be trained in. You just need a degree. On the advice of my father, I was looking at what branches I wanted to go into the Army, and he advised me not to go finance corps. Because when you get into the finance corps in the Army, you're really just a payroll officer. And what I wanted was leadership experience. And if not, you know, leadership experience from, from combat arms, I wanted some other experience. So when you join the Army as an officer coming ROTC, you put your top three choices down. Or you put your top 10 choices down, and they try to give you your top three. Coming out of A&M, all I wanted to do was be an armor officer in Germany. So I put my top choices down and didn't really care about number two or three or anywhere beyond that. And I remember one of my friend's dads at the time was an ordnance officer, and he got to play with a lot of cool munitions and ordnance from the Army in his job. And, and he was an explosive ordnance disposal, and I thought that sounded really fun. So I went ahead and put that down as number three. My naivety at my time as a college student was not realizing that 95% of the Ordnance Corps officers are actually maintenance officers, and only 5% get to play EOD with with ammunition. Further compounds the fact that the year I was joining, the Ordnance officer was severely short of people interested in joining the Ordnance Corps, so anybody who had Ordnance in their top three automatically got Ordnance, and that's how I became a maintenance officer. It worked out very well because ordinance is in the logistics branch and 
the Army is a great place to learn logistics management. So I got essentially a four-year crash course in logistics management. Okay. Tell us about the transition out of the Army and transitioning out and then, you know, getting your career started in accounting. Take us through that time in your life. Yeah, my original plan, always, I got my master's in taxation and I did my internship with Arthur Anderson in taxation. And my original plan was always to go back to Arthur Anderson and be a tax staff accountant once I got out of the military. I figured I would go do my thing, I would have my fun in the Army, and come back to Arthur Anderson. Unfortunately, I was getting out of the military in 2002. So I call my old tax manager up from Arthur Anderson and tell her I'm getting out and, you know, can we talk? And she was like, oh, great. Yes, come to Houston. We'll go to lunch. And so I set a date to come there. And lo and behold, uh, about a week or two before I'm going to Houston to meet with her, she calls me up and says, well, the powers that be says we're not hiring anymore. And then a few months later, there was no more Arthur Anderson. So I had to go to plan B, which I didn't know what plan B was. And at that time... I was a captain in the Army with my logistics experience and logistics management. It was a pretty strong resume for other opportunities. And so I looked at accounting opportunities, mainly with CPA firms, as well as other opportunities. And it's when I was looking at other opportunities, I realized there's a lot out there. And I signed up with a program with Home Depot where it's a two-year store manager program where after the two-year program, you become a store manager, a general manager of a store. It's one year of training and then one year of being an assistant manager, and then you're a store manager. It, quite honestly, it paid a lot more than the staff accountant at a CPA firm did. And so I went with that, and I did that for a little over a year. And it took me a little over a year to realize I did not really want to do retail. I loved the people. I loved the work. But in retail and especially the division I was in at Home Depot, the opportunities were there, but the opportunities weren't there unless you were willing to relocate. And I had come back to the Houston area, and after traveling with the military, I kind of realized that Houston is for me, Texas is for me, and I wanted to stay there. So after about a year in Home Depot, I through an acquaintance, heard about an opportunity at Fitzroberts. And it was funny because at the time they were saying they were looking for someone with three to five years experience. And I just kind of offhandedly said, well, if you want someone with zero, give me a call. And then sure enough, a week later, I was hired at Fitzroberts. (laughs) Okay. You have to tell us the rest of that story. Was there a connection there? or or? There was a connection. I did know the person there. And it was really funny because when I went into Fitzroberts and the connection I had was on the audit side and he was hiring me for the audit side. And so I came in and for some reason they had me meet with one of the tax partners there. And the tax partner takes a look at my resume and he sees that I have a master's in tax and I have an internship in tax at Arthur Anderson. He looks at me, he goes, sure you want audit? At that time, I had been away from accounting for five years, so I knew I was coming back into it, and whether I was relearning audit or relearning tax, it really wouldn't make that much of a difference. But at that time, I had five more years of life experience to make a decision, whereas you know most students in college, they're trying to decide audit or tax with not a, much of a frame of reference. And one thing I had learned from the Army is that I really liked getting out and meeting people. I really liked in the military how you switch jobs every one 
roughly one year, you're doing a new job, you're doing a new challenge, you're doing a new opportunity. And I saw myself as if I was in tax, it would be, especially at the staff role, it would be one desk, one job, just sitting there, whereas an audit, I can go out into the field, I can meet the different clients, I can see the different operations, and that just appealed a lot more to me. And so it was that time that I made the shift in my career to not go tax anymore and then to go audit. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. Were you in audit the whole time? My entire 13 years at Fitzroberts was was in the audit department. Okay. Well, before we move on from this period, I want to make sure we, you know, get all the insights we can out of this because you're talking about a time where the economy wasn't all that strong. You know, this is post 2001, the economy is starting to recover in the couple of years after that, but it, it still was not all that healthy. You are five years away from your education at this point. You've worked in two other industries, you know, which would cause some employers to say, I wonder if you really want to be an accountant, you know. What do you feel you did well because it sounds like you at least made some connections. What do you feel you did well that, that led you to, to be able to be in that office having that interview? You know, what, what did you do well about your search back then? Because I, I really want people that may be in the same situation to, to benefit from this. It wouldn't even be categorized as a search. And I, and I probably ought to rewind a little bit. When I was at that point working for the Home Depot Store Leadership Program, I had known that this wasn't going to be me for long term, but I hadn't started a search yet for other opportunities, largely because I, I did enjoy what I was doing. It wasn't until I met this other individual at Fitzroberts in small talk in a casual conversation with someone that I had a previous relationship with, he had mentioned they were having trouble looking for people. And when I said, you're having trouble looking for people, and I go, is that clients or is that staff? And he said, staff. And so for me, it was really just a stroke of luck that at that particular point in time, Fitzroberts was really looking for staff. And he had known me. He knew my work ethic. He knew my abilities. He basically knew my resume. And they needed people. And so I just, you know, sometimes in life it's timing and quote-unquote luck or where other people say it's when preparation meets opportunity. So it wasn't necessarily a search per se that got me the job, but it was that relationship, the right timing, and the right preparation for that. Okay. Well, you, you're a, a people person, as they say, and, and you were open to the conversation, I guess, and, and that led to the opportunity. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Preparation meets opportunity, for sure. Okay. So tell us about your time with Fitzroberts and company. How many years were you there exactly, and what was that progression like? I was there for 13 years. My progression at the beginning was I would call it an accelerated path for multiple reasons, most largely because of the fact that the time I came on at Fitzroberts, they had a gap between their audit department was a smaller audit department at the time. It was two partners, one part-time manager, one brand new senior, and then a few brand new staff. So they didn't have a whole lot of middle management at the time. And so I was coming in while I was a first-year staff accounting-wise from a management standpoint, from a project management standpoint, 
I was a five-year experienced post-college grad individual. So when there were jobs where, say, I remember being four months into working at Fitzroberts and I'm going out to a new audit and it's just me and one other staff person and the staff person had been there maybe nine months and I had been there maybe four months and the partner looks at me and says, you're in charge and then leaves after two hours and then I'm out there the next two weeks to wrap up a whole audit. It was trial by fire. It was learn and get it done. And I think they leaned on me, my prior military experience and management experience, not necessarily that it was auditing or accounting experience, but I knew how to project manage. And that gave me the opportunity to move up very fast to where I made manager in, I want to say, four years. So that really gave me an accelerated path, same combination of opportunity and the right preparation for it. It's interesting you mentioned project management because I, I think a lot of people would define it in the more generic term of leadership, but you're right, it's that project management ability that led the partner to be able to leave you on the job and just come back later and things went well. At what point did you become a partner at that firm? I made manager very fast, then was senior manager for a while, and I was probably partner around year 11. And I was a partner for a couple of years and combination of just not much growth in the audit department at the time, as well as me just wanting new opportunities. What what I found with audit was I loved the, the first eight years or so where everything was new, everything was a new challenge, you got to learn new things. But I would say after about year eight, I wasn't learning a whole lot new anymore. It was the same clients, the same jobs with the same problems and the same steps, and it wasn't new. So that was when I went to the consulting route where every job I have now is different. And my personality fits better with the going out and just trying new things. Okay. So yeah, tell us about your role now. What are you doing exactly? So right now I am in financial accounting services for WG Consulting. Uh, WG Consulting, the easiest way to say what we do is basically everything under the CFO suite, whether you need accounting support, IT implementation support for accounting software, human resources, and I'm on the financial accounting services side, which it's very broadly what we do. It can be anywhere from coming in and assisting companies where they have peaks and valleys and they and they don't need a permanent person, but they just had a big project and they need somebody to come in and maybe help them with purchase price allocation for a new acquisition they had, or if they just did a spin out and they spun out one accounting manager to a new company and don't have time to build a CFO and controller suite that we can come out there the next day get them grounded, get them started, and then allow them have time to build out their accounting team, and then we can slowly back off. Currently, I'm in a role that uh, originally was going to be a placeholder role while their CFO left, and I was going to be here six to ten weeks while they looked for a new CFO, and just kind of hold the fort down and then and train the new CFO when he came in. And that was about 10 months ago. So it really just varies what we do. (laughs) A permanent six to 10 weeks. Everybody asks me how much longer, six to 10 weeks. Every week, the answer doesn't change. (laughs) Wow, interesting. Well, I'm sure that fills your need for variety. Moving around a little bit, that's always new challenges, for sure. 
I'm curious, do you like the interim CFO kind of work better than the, the other projects you were mentioning, or do, do you have a preference, or doesn't matter as long as it's new? My preference is the people I work with oh, more than okay. the work. And as long as I have good people to work with, I'll take on the work challenges. And it's when you have people that are tough to work with that I think it's it's more of an issue. This is my first time as a technical interim controller slash CFO, and I thoroughly enjoyed it just to help round out my background, my experience, learn new things, and it's been great. Just finished up this week our audit of the company I'm out at, and it was rather entertaining to be on the other side of the table with the young staff auditor and essentially training him the whole week he was out here. (laughs) It's fun when you know both sides. (laughs) Definitely. I talk to a lot of people that, you know, feel like the consulting life would be appealing. And, you know, some people obviously works out very well. And, uh, you know, others I've, I've seen, you know, going to it for a year or two and and then decide they're the much more you know comfortable in a permanent quote unquote you know position what what do you feel it takes maybe from a skill set side or or just from a personality characteristic side to to be a successful consultant to do the type of work you're doing what what kind of person is that a good fit for someone who naturally likes change someone who is easily adaptable to different situations. You know, I get this question a lot when I go out to students and they say, what do you want? Do you want audit or tax? And I always give them the example of, I had a good friend, tax manager, when I was at Fitzroberts, who we were talking one day and she said she couldn't understand how the auditors did it. How did they go out to different places every time, not knowing where they're going to go the next week, not knowing what kind of office they're going to have. And she said, I like my desk here. I like my 10 key here. I like my stapler here. And so it really boils down to your personality of, of what do you like. If you're like me and, and you thrive on the variety, you thrive on the meeting new people, you thrive on the unexpected of not everything being perfectly planned, then consulting may be for you. If you're the, the personalities where everything has to be controlled and you don't like change, then consulting probably would not be for you because that's all it is, is new places, new things, and adapting on the fly. Okay. Have you had to do more, I don't know, self-education since going into the consulting world, or are you finding that you're needing to to pick up on on new things faster (laughs) than you used to have to when you were in more of a structure? I would say it's going back to where I was in my first eight years of Fitzroberts, where... I'm seeing new things I haven't done before, so I have to figure it out. You know, especially like I've never worked with an accounting system in detail before. I've worked with other software programs, but not an accounting software system. And so that's been a learning curve. And it's something I've wanted to learn for a while, and I finally got to it. Wonderful. Is there anything else that you feel is important for people to know if, if that's the direction they're, they're thinking about taking their career? I would just say look at what kind of consulting you want to do. If consulting is your ultimate goal, look at what consulting you want to do and look at what path may get you there. Different consulting firms and different positions could have different potential pathways to get there. I do know at a firm like mine, 
they hire experienced individuals. They're not like a big four where a big four has this training machine and the big four is going to hire accounting students and train them how to do everything they want. A consulting firm like mine is going to hire people who already know how to do the job and then send them out there. So the training is not going to be there. And so if an individual is looking for consulting, they need to get the experience on what they want to consult on first. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely. One of the things I definitely want to ask you about, since we're both involved in in the state society, I was curious how long you've been involved. And and then, you know, for those that don't have that, you know, type of involvement, what do you enjoy from it? What drives you to, to continue to give in that manner? I've been involved at the local level since probably around 2008. And... At the state level, I got involved probably around 2011. What I like about it is getting outside of the office and meeting people, meeting fellow peers where you can talk about shop. Maybe things you can talk about shop with them that you can't talk about shop with the people at your own company or a, just getting out and, and socializing with other peers. That aspect is probably what appeals to me the most makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it widens your viewpoint. You know, if if you're only in the same environment all the time, even even with what you're doing now, consulting, you, know, you, you only get to see a limited number of, of environments, so to speak. But Absolutely. You know, when, yeah, definitely makes you more well-rounded, I think, as a professional to be involved. Well, there are three questions that I, I end every podcast with, but one more thing before we, we go down that path. I am curious, you know, given the the route your career has taken and all the decisions you've made along the way, if you could go back in time and give your younger self just one piece of critical advice, what do you think that might be? I had the benefit of getting a great piece of advice from my father who was a CPA, and quite frankly, without it, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. And his piece of advice was pass the CPA exam and get the CPA exam done immediately after school. Don't wait. Had I not had that piece of advice, I may not be here today as a CPA. Because when I graduated and I passed the CPA exam when I graduated, the first year after I graduated, and then I spent five years doing other things. So, and in fact, it took me six years to get my CPA license after passing because it took me six years to get my one year of experience. Had I not taken his advice and passed the CPA exam right after school, I don't think I would have gone back and studied after being away from accounting for six years. I look at students coming out now and I tell students all the time, Pass the CPA exam immediately after college while you're still in study mode because you may think you have obstacles in life now, but you don't know the obstacles you're about to come into once life hits you, whether it be promotions at work and more responsibility or marriage or kids. You're never going to have the amount of time to dedicate it to you than you do when you have you come out of college, and you're never going to have the knowledge you have when you're coming right out of college 
Because like most people do, we come out of college and we specialize in one area, but there's four parts of the exam you need to pass. And the further away you get from your college of learning those, the harder it is to pass. Now, there's still other questions for the podcast, but we, we could end right there. <laughs> because that, is, that is such important advice. You become a specialist and basically you, you start to lose that, that comprehensive knowledge that you had, you know, from your education, which is what you need to pass the exam. Mm, That is beautiful. Definitely. Well, I do end every podcast with the same three questions. So I wanted to to be respectful of your time and and go ahead and get to that part. The first one's usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? I would have to say that's a split between making partner at Fitzroberts and making president-elect of the Houston CPA Society. And the reason I, I say the two of those is when I was a young CPA, those were goals that I had set for myself to achieve, and they took many years to accomplish. And so it, to finally hit the culmination of those, I would say those are two of my most proudest moments. Those are good, definitely. Well, second question, tell us about a mistake you made and what you learned from it, of course, because that's what we're really going for. But the bigger, the better. We like it when the guests share really huge, colossal mistakes. (laughs) I, I would say one of my bigger mistakes was not recognizing the transition needed coming from an Army workforce to a civilian CPA accounting workforce. And the differences there are pretty great. And as a young individual, I underestimated the differences. Probably what caught me the most was up until that point, my professional career was formed by the Army. And in the Army, there's a sense of duty that is typically attracted individuals to the Army. There's a sense of camaraderie. There's a sense of we have one goal that we're getting there as a team and everybody's going to work as a team and you just start on board together. You just, by the nature of what you're doing, by the nature of the people who join the Army, you start together and everybody has everybody's back at day one. I misinterpreted that Army translating to civilian life and I misinterpreted the fact that in the corporate world, relationship building is so important. You don't start out necessarily as one vision, one goal. You need to build relationships. You need to build your foundations and work on the personal skills so that everybody is driving to one goal. And had I rewinded my career, I would have built more on on relationships at, at the beginning. That probably was a, a rude awakening there for the first few months or year for you, I, I bet. Between that and I didn't understand the concept of people not being on time, probably the two hardest. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's too funny. <laughs> well, well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and shut it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I would have to go back to the CPA advice that my father gave me to pass a CPA exam. Without that, I wouldn't be sitting here as a CPA today. That makes a lot of sense. And that's great advice to end this on because it's, it's made a huge difference in your career. And I have to tell you, that being a CPA, and I did the same thing. I took it right out of college. It, it's made a huge difference in my career, definitely as well. Thank you for sharing that. 
Sure. Well, for our audience, this has been Life in Accounting, a podcast production of Where Accountants Go. If you haven't yet visited our website, please do so. We're going to have the show notes for Ramsey's episode, as well as all our episodes, of course. Plus, we have an extraordinary amount of career-related content these days to help you move your own career forward. That site is whereaccountantsgo.com. We have a blog. We have all the podcasts. We have a couple books and some other publications as well for you. Once again, that's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, thank you, Ramsey, for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time for this. Oh, Mark, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. No problem. Well, thank you to the audience as well for joining us. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.